floozies as far as the eye can see. That's very gauche, sir. Man, I've been doing it wrong. Wow, podcast over. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that is neither an accusation or a confession. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. I've been betrayed. Well, you shouldn't have got so drunk. Well, I shouldn't have. I didn't have a choice but to betray you. (laughs) Well, there are only three pretty French ladies. Yeah, and I needed all of them. (laughs) That's right. You know, we reenacted that song from Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) You know, the one with those ladies. (laughs) Which song was that? Uh, I plead the (laughs) fifth. Welcome back, cousins. Yes. We are uh, in full swing with the Empire Exhibition That's once right. again. This time covering All Quiet on the Western Front, That's the right. 1930s Carl Lamell presentation. Mm-hmm. At any rate, before we get to that, we do need to handle the business of Cousin of the Week. That's right. Cousin Amanda writes, What ho, cousins! It's been so long since I've sent a telegram, but I've been putting that time to good use. My footmen have been hard at work taking the old silver polish to the new track listing. (laughs) After the success of their breakout EP, the Henri Leclerc Memorial Lair, Lady Diana Manners and the Plunkets are releasing a full (laughs) off-season track listing. I give you Dickie Arm Wooden Bladder, (laughs) featuring tracks inspired by all your favorite off-season coverage subjects, including Mr. Selfridge, A Room with a View, Titanic BS, Parade Zen, Anne of Green Gables, Morris, and Blackadder Goes Forth. Track one, Marvillious Memoirs. Track two, Love, Beauty, (laughs) Asperger's. (laughs) Track three, Frickin' Gordon. Track four, Leclerc Moment. Track five, Dude, Where's My Bedeker? Track six, Blue Enough for Belfast. Track seven, Blankensop! Track eight, The Pallor of Self-Abuse. <laughs> Track nine, The Henri Leclerc Memorial Lair, featuring the stick-poking kid. <laughs> Track ten, Rosemary's Beatrice. <laughs> Track eleven, He's a Good Old Sausage, Really. Track 12, Well-Disciplined Gables, Nailing It Edition Bonus Tracks. Track 13, Meet Me at the Buttery. (laughs) Track 14, Let's Go Shopping. (laughs) Track 15, What a Poof. (laughs) Introducing Commander Flashheart and the Woof Woofs. (laughs) Courtesy of your right honorable cousin, Lady Amanda, Countess of Greenbank. Well, thank you so much, Cousin Amanda. Yes, indeed. That is delightful. Yes. Uh, And it really put a spring in our step. (laughs) It did. So we hope everybody else enjoyed that as much (laughs) as we did. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So... Who's ready to be depressed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, I'm glad. I think we're laying off of these depressing war epics coming up here soon. Hopefully. I we, think so. We will see. But I, it works out, and I don't remember whether we planned it this way or not, but that this is our closest to, uh, Veterans Day slash Remembrance Day. Oh, yeah. Episode. This wasn't planned at all. Okay, great. We really fucked up the whole rotation. <laughs> but it worked out. Yeah. And so here we are with this uh, classic of the golden age of Hollywood. I don't know if this is the golden age or not. Um, but I don't think. I think golden age is like in the late 30s, early 40s. Okay. So, I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's a classic, though. Yeah. It's well respected. Yeah. It's got a 97% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That's very fresh. Presumably the critics didn't know any better. <laughs> Or they were all paid off by Carl Lamely Jr., yeah. whose uh, name is noticeably prominent in the opening he uh, credits He certainly thinks there. a lot of himself. He does. 
Uh, so we get our standard old-timey opening credits with the players and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, my two favorite names, quote-unquote Slim Somerville and Beryl. <laughs> I forget what her last name was, but she plays Paul's mother. Yeah. And I'm like, Beryl? Well, Ugh. She was, looks like a Beryl, too. True. It was, <laughs> she does. Uh, no, that was that was a real name then. Strange times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got a little uh, prologue title card saying that this is not an accusation or a convention, and it is not an adventure because death is not an adventure when you come to face it. Uh, yeah, that sort and of you thing. really think that at some point humanity would like start listening to these kinds of books and movies, right? And being like, "Gee, this is really literally killing uh, people." And, you know, causing a lot of problems right. for these people who Does, don't die. Yeah, it doesn't seem great. Yeah, but we just keep having wars. We do, oddly enough. Uh, so let's see if this podcast can change all that. I think chances are good. <laughs> That's right. So we see some old people cleaning a house and soldiers are marching by. Yeah, and they're talking. And, like, the accent work in this movie is non-existent. Like, right. It's, it's an American production of mm-hmm. a German source material right and i just felt like the lady scrubbing the floor like her first line she'd been say shouldn't we have an accent of some kind <laughs> uh but apparently not uh we learned that the local mailman is going to be joining up the next day he's in the reserves uh and that the war will be over in a few months as yeah the war all, is always going to be over in a few months as we all assume uh then cuts to a teacher teaching his classroom and it's at first inaudible over the martial music that is going on outside yeah, it honestly kind of looks like some sort of early green screen. It does. The way that it's set. I don't know how they did it. but Yeah. Well, in the, I mean, the director throughout has a very clear thing that he likes to no, do. No, it's very artistic. I yeah. mean, I was pretty impressed with the camera work on this. Yeah. Because there's two... Already we've gotten two shots of a camera either going from inside a room to outside mm-hmm. or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the teacher is, once we can hear him, he's giving a, a rousing speech in favor of all his students and listing. Some might say hawkish. Yeah. In I, fact. I think that's fair to say. Warmongering, perhaps? Yeah, very much. And talking about, you know, how n- sweet and fitting it is to die for one's country or whatever that Dulce line is. Dulce et Delinda Est. Yeah, that's the one. I think. I, that seems about right. Uh, whatever it is. No, Dulce et Decorum Est. Right. I was thinking of Carthago de Linda Est. Right, which is a different... It is a different Latin phrase. Right. But they're both about war. They are both about war. As so many Latin phrases are. Really are. Yeah. Not necessarily the best role models. Dig those crazy Romans. (laughs) Just because the church later stole their language doesn't mean that what they had to say was that great. (laughs) So, yeah, the kids are imagining, uh, you know, what might happen if we get fantasy sequences. So one of them is imagining coming home in his uniform and his mother's like horrified, but then his dad's really proud. Uh, and then another kid just imagines himself with floozies, which is, you know, a big part of army recruiting. Yeah, that's the perks. Yeah. Floozies. Yeah. Floozies as far as the eye can see. <laughs> uh, and then we learn that one guy is uh, a writer. His name is Paul and the professor is really focusing on him because he knows that he's like the leader of the class and handsome handsome devil paul he is a handsome I'm a devil big fan of paul yeah just pulchritudinous wise right not necessarily the acting chops to hold this movie down at times the only person that i thought was a really good actor mm-hmm I don't even know his character's name. Uh, right. So we'll talk about that later. Okay, but we'll like, just point him out when he comes by. all of 1930s filmmaking 
is ab- at about the level of acting you'd expect in very bad community theater yeah. right now. No, like, it really is. Because well, I remember, because the only thing from that time period I would watch when I was a kid was Marx Brothers. Mm-hmm. And sure, when the Marx Brothers are on screen, you know, it's great. And it, you know, holds up pretty well. But anytime there's a scene that's like just establishing some plot among the other characters is always like even as an eight-year-old i was like that's awful like when vaudeville performers are making you look bad (laughs) yeah when the vaudeville is more convincing (laughs) than the dramatic acting right what a dark time it was a dark time uh not as dark however it's 1914 germany uh correct yeah so the students are all in there's a bunch of disturbing close-ups of each of their faces being excited about joining yeah this was so horrific yeah that was like it was like silent movie era awful yeah it was yeah it was it was rough yeah no we were we were not feeling the early part of this movie we were not at all yeah that's absolutely the case uh so they're all singing in german we think we can't i mean it's just the sound reproduction i mean that just was technological yeah i mean i couldn't understand most of what was happening right like in terms of the the dialogue i mean i got a little bit more accustomed to it as we went along right right so it got better but especially at the beginning we were like what are they saying yeah i mean we didn't have the option to put the subtitles on this i'm actually curious if this would have been easier or harder to understand than the wind that shakes the barley Mm. had we not just immediately right right the subtitles on yeah yeah uh, so it cuts to the training ground. The boys all arrive in the dorm and they're all jovial and excited. Yeah. And like, it's weird. Cause like one of them like kisses a guy. Yeah. And like, I was like, you know, when your teacher said he wanted you to be gay heroes, he didn't mean literally. <laughs> we don't Still think. 1914. Right. I don't know what that teacher meant. Yeah. He's pretty much full of shit. Yeah. So. Yeah. He sucks. Uh, one guy has really great boots. Yeah. That everybody comments on. They're uh, like the Air Jordans of World War One. Yeah. <laughs> and then the mailman comes in and he's their, uh, like, drill sergeant or whatever. Yeah. And he's, you know, whipping him into shape and everything. And he tells them, forget everything you've ever learned. Which I just wrote down because it reminded me of the favorite thing that happened to me in college in which on the first day of class, uh, our professor was talking about the prerequisite course that we had all just taken. And he said, now, first of all, I want you to forget everything you learned in that last class. And immediately somebody yelled from the back, done. <laughs> <laughs> so in the training, they're practicing uh, advancing, which involves lying in the mud a lot. Yeah, I like call this uh, full metal German, this <laughs> yeah. sequence. Yeah. No, it is... A, a very similar structure, except that the training section isn't like half of the movie. It's just yeah, about a yeah. third of it. But yeah. So, yeah, the drill sergeant makes them sing, possibly about a Goblin King. I'm not sure what they were singing about, but I swear I heard Goblin King in there. They were like, we move the front for no one. <laughs> uh, soldiers all complain. They're all, you know, muddy and stuff. And... Yeah, I didn't take a lot of notes about this whole part. Marching. Do you think in Germany between World War One and World War Two they ever called this war the War of Wilhelm's Aggression? <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Uh-uh. I think they were generally just focused on the way they were stabbed in the back by Bolshevik Jews. Oh uh, well, much their... that is that's really gonna take up a lot of your time, right? Yeah, that was pretty much their focus. You know. Not many Bolshevik Jews in this movie. No, considering right. So yeah. They should maybe consider... I'm beginning to think that perhaps World War II uh, was begotten by a faulty premise. <laughs> you may be right. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Historical breakthrough. 
Well, you know, let's not even get into the war of Hitler's aggression. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Uh, I guess they're going to front the next day, so they're not going to get leave. They're all complaining about the mud. But Paul has an idea. So then we cut to Sergeant Mailman walking along, <laughs> uh, and he's drunk. And well, they- because what's happened is they're on leave till midnight. But mm. he's made them crawl through the mud, so they have to spend all of that time that they could have free washing the mud out of their uniforms. Okay, yeah. Good catch. Uh, that's literally probably the only clarification <laughs> I will provide for the rest of this movie. Well, it was fun while it lasted. Oh, sure. Yeah, so they uh, trip Sergeant Mailman and wrap him up with a sheet so they can't see who's doing it. And then they beat him up with sticks and drop him in the mud. So yeah. Getting mud on their pants again well, in the process. But that's true. You I know, don't know. You can't make an omelet without getting mud on your pants. <laughs> Man, I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> I know. I didn't want to say anything. Listen, I'm glad we've had this chat. <laughs> now maybe your omelets won't suck. Oh, my God. Wow, I know. That was harsh. It was really mean. I know. I think we need marriage counseling now. <laughs> I feel very hurt. Your omelets are fine. I don't ever make an omelet. I know. Like, that's really the real issue here. Yeah. Who's making you omelets? Maybe that's what we need to talk about. Are you getting your omelets elsewhere? Cousins, are you a marriage counselor? (laughs) (laughs) Are you not going to charge us any money? (laughs) If so, we want to be your client. (laughs) We're really fine. So the train arrives near the front, and they're all just sort of milling about, and then the... Yeah, they're all excited. Like, hey, they gave us these swell tea cozies for our hats. (laughs) They did. They're very stylish. They I are suppose. just ah uh, the epitome of tea cozy. <laughs> Wearable tea cozies. <laughs> German innovation. Uh, some shells land in the village where they're all disembarking, and everybody kind of runs for cover. And uh, somebody got killed. I don't think it was a guy we know, but one of the guys we knew is like by the corpse, like "Whoa, dude, whoa!" Yeah. And they kind of pull him away. No, it's weird too because like we don't really know who any of these guys are. Like, right? They gave you know the, like the dramatis personae at the beginning in the in the mm-hmm. title cards, like they always do right. in movies from this era. But like Paul's the only one that we really know who he is. Yeah, and even at this point in the movie, it's very hard to tell. Right. And they don't do a good job of establishing what anybody's name is at all. Right. So we don't have almost any names. We have Paul and we have Kaczynski who hasn't shown up yet. And that's about it. There's that guy, the later guy. Right. And that so other one. We'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> or not. We may not be able to. <laughs> right. So they get to the barracks and the you know veterans that are already there are like, oh, great. Another bunch fresh from the turnip patch. <laughs> Turnips are funny. Yeah. Paul inadvertently takes on nobody else's spot and gets, you know, in trouble for that. And then Paul asks them about food. He's like, you know, we haven't eaten since breakfast. What, uh, we, you know, what should we do? And the guy says, eat some food immediately. That's what I recommend. <laughs> and they all laugh at him. Uh, but they say, don't worry. Kaczynski is a genius. He's part of their company and he always knows how to get food. And so he, uh, we cut to him and he sees some pigs being tossed out of a warehouse and loaded onto a truck, dead pigs. And, uh, so, uh, sort of pulls a little, I mean, it was really like a Warner Brothers type scam. Yeah, yeah. Where he pretends to Wiley be the guy. Kaczynski. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super genius. <laughs> uh, point is he steals a pig and brings it back and everybody is pretty delighted. Yeah, uh, and like, you know, Again, like Kaczynski's accent is so bad. He's like, look, this pig's for people who want to eat real fast. And we don't need any characters around given the joint atmosphere. And I'm like, what What part of Germany are you people from? This is absurd. 
Brookenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like this scene because I don't like knowing where food comes from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they definitely start cutting up the they pig. They definitely very much are cutting that pig up. And I am like, Yee! Right. I like my pig and, you know, little sausages already. Yeah. Like, do that. That's war for you. Or ya. bacon. <laughs> or just anything that pigs are made of. Oh, right. The many, Wait, strike many that. Things. Reverse it. Well, I mean, depending how you look at it. Uh, but yeah, they try to buy some pig for money, but it's like, what the hell are you trying to give me money for? Uh, and requires cigarettes in exchange. Mm. So they're on a truck to the front. Uh, and some guy's like, hey, what's this driver doing? Like, I could break my arm. And he could just, just like, it is, you should hope to break your arm. It's way better than anything will happen to you if you actually make it to the front. Yeah. And they're like, oh, good point, Kaczynski. <laughs> He's full of good points. He is. Well, because then they're marching and uh, some explosions hit nearby and everybody goes down except Kaczynski. And uh, one guy who kind of like grabbed onto Kaczynski sort of to hide himself uh, shit himself. And Kaczynski's like, well, hey, man, you know, it happens to everybody. It's happened to me. Like, don't worry about it. And he tells everybody. He gives them some advice. He's like, look, just watch me. If I go down, you go down. Mm-hmm. No, and I'll say also the special effects are really good for this era. <clears throat> they like, are. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, they're not obviously not spectacular. Right. But they're very well handled. Yeah, they're they're deployed very well and effectively. So we see them crawling in no man's land at night. They all wait for a minute. The they've put up the enemies have put up a flare. So there's a long wait for that to you know descend and go out. And then they all start setting up some barbed wire emplacements out there. Kaczynski's watching them while smoking a pipe. And it goes with his tea cozy. <laughs> it does. It was a package deal. <laughs> Uh, but then the ar- artillery bombardment opens up in earnest, so they all run back for the trenches. Uh, but one of the dudes has been blinded, not like maybe got hit by a fragment or something, uh, and is like kind of just running around in no man's land, screaming and going crazy. Uh, and he gets shot, and one of the others runs out and like brings his body back. And Kaczynski's like, "Why did you do that?" And he's like, "Well, he was my friend." He says, "He's he's a corpse. It doesn't matter who he was." Yeah. So yeah, dude. Uh, they all take the truck back. They're uh, ordered to march somewhere else, and Kaczynski says that the the war is going to last a long time. So you know, get used to it. Very wise, Kaczynski. Yeah, he's our favorite. He is. Yeah, I mean, clearly. Well, it's... and like, he's not the one that I would say is like the best actor, right? But he's like, he's got a great face for this part. Yeah, he's like if Carl Malden was even less attractive and <laughs> yeah. shorter. <laughs> Yeah. No, he looks like the model for Quasimodo in the Disney (laughs) animated Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, he's very... He does... He's super busted in the face. Yeah, he does look like he ran into something at some point. But, uh... Uh, Probably multiple times, (laughs) honestly. But, uh, he's he's a good character. So, cut to the dugout, and there's a bombardment going on. Uh, Some of them are gambling. Uh, Aren't they always? (laughs) (laughs) War, guys. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, Others of them are just fucking going crazy. Because it's, I mean, it's an explosion every second. Uh, Well, and every time there's an explosion, dust falls from the the, ceiling. Yeah, yeah. and it's just, it seems terrible. Yeah. 
one of them is freaking out and Kaczynski says to him, hey, but, you know, come on, man, two more days, that'll make a week. Then you can say you've been under fire because mm-hmm. you can't say it until it's been a week. It's like, oh, that's, that was just like a little nice touch there or whatever. Uh, one guy's screaming in his sleep, so they'll like wake him up, which, you know, doesn't really help matters. Yeah, it's like one of those waking nightmares. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a, a explosion near enough that the door kind of collapses and and they're you know trapped in a little bit uh one guy absolutely freaks out at that point and kaczynski punches him and paul's like hey what did you do that for and paul and kaczynski's like look just hold him for me and punches him again so he goes out yeah i will point out the foley work is not great on this movie no that's true no nap yeah on the he punch punches, is completely silent yeah it's just like <laughs> oh he's one of those ninja german <laughs> or, soldiers right I learned this from Bruce Lee. He's a Katzen ninja. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then another close hit causes the roof beam to collapse, and one guy like runs out, kind of digs his way through the dirt pile, uh, and gets shot because he's just gone insane and can't stay in the dugout anymore. And this guy, his name is like Camrick. Not quite sure of the pronunciation, but we yes. do actually kind of get his name. Yes. He's the one with the boots, mm-hmm. as it turns out. Continued torture in the dugout. One guy saying he, you know, wants to fight. He can't stand doing nothing. Uh, Kaczynski comes in. He found bread, so everybody's super excited about that. Uh, and then a bunch of rats run through, and everybody takes to hitting the rats with their shovels. Again, silently. Yeah, that's true. They're stealth rat-killing ninjas. <laughs> yeah, well, those shovels were specially designed. <laughs> Listen, we don't want the sound of these shovels hitting rats to give away our position to the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> right away, mine hair. <laughs> so then the bombardment stops, and they're all like, oh, okay, that means the attack is coming, which is, again, one of the things about World War One is that the British never made a surprise attack in the entire war, except one that was very successful. Well, it's the not very sporty, <laughs> Uh, so they all run to the trenches and, and wait. Uh, we see the, the shells getting closer and closer to them, which is that they would have a moving curtain advancing in front of the soldiers of, of shells. And then we see the allies charging at them. We did, I did, they were British. I was not sure at first what part of the front they were on. Uh, so they open the up. The Western Front, bitch. It's in the title. Right. That's why I said which part of the front and not which front. Ugh. But anyway. God. <laughs> I quit. I quit this podcast. Uh, wow. Podcast over. That saves some time. <laughs> JK. <laughs> so we see them, you know, firing back with machine guns. That's mowing people down. Uh, and then we see. We see the most. This is like bold to say. Yeah. About particularly a movie made in 1930. Right. But we see just for a second, like barely long enough to really register. Like we, you see this guy coming up to the barbed wire and then there's an explosion and then all you see is two hands. Yeah. Clutching the barbed wire. Yeah. And it's one of the most horrific things i've ever seen in a movie yeah and it's just and it was so just, and like there's no fanfare it's just it's like there and it's gone right 
but it was just awful. And like this sequence, I was like, kiss my grit, Saving Private Ryan. Like yeah. this was so much more horrible. It was, yeah. And like, just, and it was really, like the relentlessness of it. It was, somehow. yeah, it was relentless and it was the whole, se- I know we've just gotten started and it's a very long sequence and it, you, it, the the staging of it like you follow exactly what's going on the whole time mm-hmm. like it's chaotic but you'd never get disoriented well and they're doing this thing where it's they where they've sped up the film yeah and i'm not totally sure if that was like a like they had to do it that way in order to get these kind of shots right or if it was like a statement from the director mm-hmm. but it works pretty well because i feel like a it lot does. of war movies slow things down yeah and i've always felt like when you're like in the fog of war or whatever like it would just be like you know, just super like coked out and like very adrenaline heavy and just yeah, don't know well, and that's what's what going it, on it makes and, it very like jerky too yeah. and like you know not smooth at all. Yeah, it and, feels extremely unnatural. Yeah, but, like in a way that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, well done. I don't know who, who the director was. No, I all, know. We, we only were paying attention to Carl. <laughs> yeah. Which is exactly what Carl wanted. It is we absolutely played right into his hands. <laughs> oh, Carl. Yeah, so the British reach the trenches, and then there's so all this hand-to-hand fighting and stabbing with bayonets mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. Uh, people walking across piles of half-alive and dead bodies, uh, and they're retreating. We see the faces of the, the men that we know in the next trench, like, sitting there just, like, in a daze. Uh, which is another, that's another, it does it several times where it cuts to different people's faces. Mm-hmm. But this one, instead of being like horrific, it was like the angle was different and they were just like. Glad to be alive. Yeah, yeah. So there's, I think there was gas at this point, but nobody has a gas mask. So I'm not sure if that's oh, what yeah, happened. Oh, see gas masks right. throughout the whole thing. Yeah. So I guess I- they ran out of budget. Right. I mean, could be. Spend and also, all that I money mean, money on tea cozies. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, just as a director, like, you don't want to cover up people's faces if you can avoid it. I do. <laughs> yes, I know. You Listen, and your, I took mask work. I was going to say, yes, you and your experimental mask work films. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, one of these days, it's really going to take off. Yeah, so the Germans advance again for whatever reason. They're being held off with a machine gun for a while, but Kaczynski nails it with a grenade. Uh, we see them in a bit of a lull in some trench or crater, and a guy uh, has a loaf of bread that's gotten all blood on it, so he cuts off the part with blood. Uh, and then he... You know, they could probably use the iron. <laughs> Not to be too macabre. That's pretty macabre. Thank you, dude. <laughs> it's one of the many services I provide. Yeah. He uh, then cuts open a bottle of booze with his bayonet and passes it around. I love glass in my wine. Yeah. Well, war, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the end of that battle sequence, which was just really, really good. It was tr- this is pretty much the turning point where we really got into it. Mm-hmm. Just because so much of that like exposition, it felt so cartoony. Yeah. And I think maybe that was a choice to kind of like to be like, oh, you know, this is them being the, these innocent young boys. And now, right. they, you know cross this threshold but it just didn't quite work for us yeah yeah well i think you know i think it sort of got to the point i i think what's happening is the director is better than the actors you know yeah. and so and the writing yeah yeah and the so, writing's not terrible yeah the writing's not terrible better. but you know so once once it gets to the front where the director can sort of take over that's that's maybe why we started liking it more 
So back behind the lines, they're all lined up at the cook to get their food, but he says he can't serve them until they all get there. And they're like, uh, we're all here. He's like, no, there's 150 of you. They're like, well, there was 150 <laughs> of us. But a bunch of us now are dead. Right. So now there's 80 of us. And he's like, I can't give you food for 150. And they're like, oh, my God. that's Yes, you, you, you can, you, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And Kaczynski is literally like, I will kill you yeah. if you don't give us this food. And then an officer comes up and everybody's like, oh, and the officer's like, yeah, give them their food. Come on, dude. Yeah. And so they all get. <laughs> so then he turns over to serving the beans to this guy <laughs> who looks like a short Walt Disney. <laughs> he does. And it just was hilarious. It was. The guy's like, oh, I, uh, I, sorry, I was on a smoke break. And yeah. There's some kind of controversy here. <laughs> <laughs> Here's these beans. <laughs> right. And everybody's like, hooray. Yeah. They're really super they're stoked. Sto- I mean, listen, they're getting beans. They're getting bread. They're getting sausage. Mm-hmm. Like, they're eating some food yeah and no. some vittles y'all yeah and i mean we get a whole little montage of them like eating like you know like crit like they're yeah. really eating yeah they're not dining on this food. no they are sucking it down yeah uh kaczynski says they'll be heading back to the front tomorrow uh and so paul is like oh we should go see Camrick before we go and then they all fall to discussing war for a bit and why it happens they're like huh good god y'all what is it good for? Right. And uh, they realize that it's nothing. But just talking about how... The guy who keeps talking about the Kaiser, I thought he was the best actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and like, you know, he's basically like, I'm out of here. And they're like, you're going to get shot. And I'm like, uh, shot if you do, shot if you don't, pretty much. Yeah. In this particular scenario. Yeah. But yeah, and they all talk about how, you know, they, they've never even met a British person before they came up here. Why are they shooting at them? Yeah. You know, and that whole thing. And they miss their tea cozies. <laughs> they do. I don't think they really do. Right. Spoiler alert, guys. The tea cozies actually look pretty stupid. They do. Not to alarm anyone. <laughs> They're like, oh man, guys, when we signed up for this war, I thought it was going to be all fun and tea cozies. <laughs> I didn't know anybody was going to get killed. Yeah. Uh, they are killed and wounded, as we see at the hospital, which doesn't look like a fun place, surprisingly. No, it does not. Uh, they go see Kamrick, uh, and he's not doing so great. Yeah, he uh, does not seem to be, you know, very, he seems very weak, and he says that they stole his watch, to which the guy says, I told you you shouldn't have a nice watch like that on you. Which is unhelpful. Right. I if, mean, you may be correct. Yeah. But... He's well, also got a horrible pain in his foot and all of his toes. Right. And the guy's like, well, how can that be? They, you, you don't have the... And he's like, what? They cut my leg off? They didn't tell me. Why didn't they tell me? And it's That's like... That's a recurring theme in this movie, actually. A yeah. lot of un, non-consensual amputation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's pretty rough. And then also a guy notices his boots and he's like, hey, dude, uh, my boots give me blisters all the time, and you don't seem to need these boots, so can I have them? And everybody else is like, dude, not cool. So they all kind of head off, and Paul's like, I'll come back in a minute. I'll just see all these idiots idiots out of here. Well, yeah, so the guy is like, look, I, you know, I would walk bare th- barefoot over barbed wire for the guy if it was going to do any good, but why should some orderly get his boots? Which is... A legitimate point, you know. And so Paul heads back in and talks with Camerick for a bit. Uh, he he asks Paul to get the doctor, and he goes to the doctor, and the doctor's like, I've done everything I can for him. Sorry, dude. Cam- Camerick doesn't think he's going to make it. 
and you know paul's very like oh come on dude you know you'll go home you're gonna you know sit at the convalescent home you can look over the fields of corn and corn's good for what ails you yeah <laughs> sorry I'm trying to lighten the mood here. no this i know that's fucking depressing that's the basis of german medicine at this time <laughs> you tried some corn das ist corn <laughs> das ist corn for your corns <laughs> apply corn daily <laughs> Uh, Paul prays to God, prays to God, obviously, is to God. There's not many other people you pray to. <laughs> right. I will say, this is the most sarcastic sounding prayer I've ever heard. Yeah. I know the actor was trying to sound more sincere. <laughs> yeah. But he just, like, like he, I just imagine God being like, frankly, I don't like your tone, right. Paul. Yeah. Like... It would have sounded exactly the same if he'd been making, like, a wanking gesture yes! the whole time. It was so crazy. Yeah. Because he's like, God, don't let Camerick die. He doesn't want to die. He's 19. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, I, I can't even, re- I can't replicate. Right. It's a combination of the tone of voice in his fucking face. <laughs> yeah. Which is like a combination of Kyle Chandler and Ron Livingston Maybe Matthew Perry. Like, he kept looking like somebody to me, and I could never, like, decide who it was. Well, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. No, and this is definitely one of the scenes where, gosh, it would be nice if he was just a little better. Yeah, just like a smidge. Because, mo- you know... Like, you the can- bar's not that high. Yeah. In this movie. No, it's not. And in mo- when he's interacting with other people, he gets by fine. It's yeah. when he has these little monologues that it's just like, oof. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Cameron starts crying out in pain, and Paul goes for the doctor again. Uh, cut to Paul walking out with Cameron's boots. So uh, things don't seem to have worked out for old Franz Cameron. Back in the barracks, some guy is teaching himself math. <laughs> Kaczynski not impressed. No, he's like, he's like, yeah. If you ca- if you stop a bullet, then all that'll be for nothing. And then the poor guy's like, well, I have fun doing it. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Paul comes in. He gives the boots to that guy who wanted them. Uh, and he talks about how he saw Franz die. And he'd never seen anybody die before. And it made him feel very alive. Yes. He started running. He was thinking about girls. My favorite is the end. He's like, and now I'm hungry. Like, <laughs> just like a weird. I mean, it makes it all makes oh, sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you see somebody die. You immediately want to go do all the things that you can't do when you're dead. Right. Which is most things. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we see them marching to the front again, and we get a little montage here where the guy that got the boots dies, and then somebody else gets the boots, and he dies. Uh, and then it actually stops there. It seemed like it was going to go on a little longer, but then that was... Yeah, that it was, was it. not clear who wound up with the f- like eventually with the boots. But. Right. Yeah. So whatever. Back in the dugout, uh, somebody is uh, delousing himself and popping the lice into the fire. He thinks it saves time. Uh, somebody brings back some cherry branches. He's just They saw some cherry trees, and he just cut off the branches and brought them back. They talk about he had a, uh, a orchard. Cherry, cherry orchard back home. So. Yes, his name was Anton Chekhov, it turns out. <laughs> He's got a bright future ahead of him. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> And they all talk about what they're going to do after the war, and they feel like, you know, they can't go back to school because they can't respect a teacher anymore. Mm-hmm. 
which that makes a lot of sense. That teacher was full of shiza. He was, for sure. Well, and, you know, I think, you know, I'm not sure how much I'm talking out my ass here, but, you know, they, Germans, you know, kind of pioneered public education, and they did it under Bismarck as part of this very Prussian get everybody, you know, we want to militarize society, and mm-hmm. public education was like, you know, the indoctrination ground mm-hmm. for all all citizens to be ready to join up. So, you know, that's that professor was not an aberration by any yeah, means. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, he didn't feel like one at all. Right, right. And so that's, you know, that's the system that they would be expected to go back to after mm-hmm. the war, which you can imagine would be tough. Uh, some guy pokes his head out the dugout for some reason and sees Sergeant Mailman there and just starts laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so Sergeant Mailman comes into the dugout and like tries to boss them around and get them to salute him and all this sort of thing. And everybody's like, dude, fuck off. <laughs> and he's like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> uh, but then it's time for an attack. So as they're waiting, one of the guys smirks at Sergeant Mailman and then they go over the top and mailman loses it and like cowers in a crater and Paul's like trying to get him to, you know, get going or whatever. And I think he ends up just leaving him there. I forget how he that does, but then Sergeant Mailman like did eventually go forward. Right. Like somebody was like trying to like pep them up or something. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, th- that was very unclear. It was a little bit. And then we see them advancing through a churchyard. And Paul is hit in the head by a chunk of a headstone. and it's Yeah, like, there's shells going off everywhere. Yeah, yeah. This is, again, another very impressive special yes. effects sequence. Uh, so he's kind of dazed and then, uh, you know, ends up sheltering in, like, a kind of torn open grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no body there, thankfully, that we see. Uh, so then there's a, a counterattack by the British. They're all retreating. Paul winds up hiding in a crater. I think it's actually the French. Okay. Fair enough. Whichever it is. Yeah. Because the guy is, well... Anyway. The guy, we find out later, his name is like Gerard, which is oh, I guess a that's... French name. All right. And fair enough. His, so we'll... his uniform looked French to me. Okay. Then well, we'll go with that. That sounds fine. Uh, because what happens is Paul hides in a crater as he's retreating, and then the French like move past him. He sees them kind of jumping over the crater that he's hiding in. Uh, then they start fleeing back the other way. He sees that and he sort of like gets himself ready because he'd just been like freaked out. He hadn't been thinking or he'd just been like yeah. shoving his face in the dirt essentially. But when he sees him going back the other way, he sort of gets himself ready. He gets his knife out. Yeah. One of them jumps down in him and Paul stabs him. So they're pinned down in that crater, and we cut to that night. They're still there. There's still shooting going on. They can't get out. And the French guy is still alive and just sort of, like, lying there, slowly bleeding to death. And Paul says that he wants to help him, so he brings him some of the ditch water that's pooled at the bottom of this uh, crater. And it cuts to the next morning. They're still there, uh, and... Paul is kind of losing it at this point, as you'd imagine. It's like been 24 hours. I uh, yells at the guy for taking too long to die. I thought the guy was dead at that point. I don't think. He, I think he was like. I don't think he quite was because I think what happened was he yells at him for taking too long to die, and he's like, "Oh no, sorry, dude. You're gonna make it. You'll be fine." And he turns to go down to get him more water. Okay. And I think it's he dies 
like in those few moments. I believe you. Yeah. I just, I did not understand what happened. Right. But in any case, when he brings him (laughs) to the water, the guy's dead. And Paul asks the corpse to forgive him. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because the, you know, I mean, the eyes are open, right? And it's, he's got this kind of like smile looking expression Mm -hmm. on his face. And, you know, Paul's just having this, like, interaction with this dead guy. I thought this was actually pretty effective. I thought so, too. Um, yeah. It could, it, given Paul's limitations as an actor, mm-hmm. like, it could have not been effective, but it just was really well done. It, it really was. Um, and he, he tells him he's going to write to his family, and he, he pulls out his identification papers or whatever and sees the picture of the man's wife and uh child i think it was his daughter i think it was his daughter although they dressed up boys in dresses sometimes they so. did but i think daughter and it was a weirdly posed picture because the wife was sitting down and then there was like a little desk or something so that the girl was standing with her legs at like hip height yeah it was really weird maybe just because i've been watching american horror stories <laughs> but i was like is this like the world's smallest woman and they gave her a podium like- <laughs> right well i mean it looked because the the poses were exactly like a ventriloquist and the, the ventriloquist dummy yeah, except there wasn't yeah. a hand on her back it was but really other bizarre. yeah it was strange edwardians <laughs> paul wakes up in the crater and it's night and it's quiet so would you say it's all quiet are they still on the Western Front? They are. They're on the Western Front the whole God, time. I wonder how they came up with that title. <laughs> it was in German originally. So back in the dugout, when Paul makes it back, he kind of talks with Kaczynski about it, saying he never killed somebody before. And Kaczynski, I mean, that's the thing about him. He's always super, like, understanding. And, yeah, like, I dig him a lot because it's like, he's kind of a father figure without being a father figure. Mm-hmm, you know, he's, mm-hmm. a, he's just a peer. Mm-hmm. And... He's just a super solid guy. Yeah. And I'm like, try- I haven't seen that many war movies. Right. I don't get a boner <laughs> about war movies. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, I feel like that trope is so overused of, you know, the, the, you know, the sergeant or whatever right. being like this father figure. Whereas here, like, he has no interest in being their father figure. He just wants to help them stay alive. Yeah. And not because he's an especially good person. Right. Or any, he just, that's just, just it. Like yeah. there's nothing else that they can do for each other. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, you know, I understand it's tough, but we, you know, we all kill people and look at that guy. And he points out a sniper who's like, oh yeah, that got him. Look at him jump. And he's like, yeah, he's, you know, killed three, three of them today. A few more will get a medal. You know, that's, that's what we're here for. It's what yep. we do, dude. So we see them marching across some bridge. They're in some other village that they've been ordered to billet in. And we see them uh, all drinking and singing in some, uh, like, a canteen, or I don't know what the British, or the German term for this it would be. This is where they switched up their helmets, I believe. Yeah, it is. Uh, so let's take a little fashion backwards moment. <laughs> a little mini, a little mini seg. All right. So I think we may have discussed this. Okay. When we were doing Downton Season 2. Right. But... Um, I was so obsessed with the tea cozies <laughs> that I had to look it up. So the, the original helmets that they had were called Pickelhaube, mm-hmm. which is a ridiculous name for a hat. It is. Even in German, which is like a fairly ridiculous language. To be fair, also a ridiculous hat. So. Yes. So they had those tea cozies to protect like the brass and the ornamentation on these helmets, All basically. Right. 
I think also to, you know, camouflage. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those hats were terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they did not protect your brain in any way, shape, or form. It's an important part of the body. Uh, so they replaced them about halfway through the war. I think, no, not even halfway, in 1915. Okay, yeah. Uh, it became very clear <laughs> that the Pickelhaube was German for death sentence. <laughs> so they switched to the- Death s- hat. <laughs> <laughs> they switched over to the Stahlhelm. Stahlhelm? Probably Stahlhelm. Probably Stahlhelm. Uh, sorry, various German ancestors. <laughs> uh, but you were Nazis, so I don't give a shit. I assume. <laughs> they probably were. I don't, anyway. They probably weren't Nazis. They might have been these people. Yeah, that's true. They might have uh, been. Might anyway, have been that professor. Regardless, it's the professor same culture Anakin. that spawned, you know, that one opera. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, you I rest point. my case. <laughs> the ning- Numblingling. <laughs> well, that was the, the original. The ring cycle. Yes. That is the anglicized. Or as it's known in German, the Numblingling. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. I didn't put so many consonants in that language. That's true. You didn't. Um, anyways, the Stahlhelm yes. is uh, a lot more similar to the Brody helmet, mm-hmm. which is the helmet that the British switched to, uh, also because they had real shit helmets. Yeah. Like, you couldn't... If you had set out at the beginning of this war and be like, listen, guys... We want to have the worst war ever. We want just the most casualties. We want everything to be a shit show. Right. There's no way you could have planned it better. With the They're top like- minds. <laughs> the top minds could have all gotten into a room and been like, all right, everybody, we're going to destroy. We're going to decimate this entire generation. Right. They're like, okay, we're going to have one giant shit show in Belgium. Yeah. But then little shit shows all over Europe. You know, Turkey, yes. Italy, yes. Russia, the whole country's going to collapse. Yeah. Like, fantastic. But just, wow. Anyway, so they switched over in the movie at this point to the Stahlhelm. Yeah. So uh, there's your little fashion backwards. No, that's actually, that's that's good stuff. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks, Wikipedia. It's nice (laughs) to be back. Yeah, Paul wants to get falling down drunk, but then Paul and this- I say that every day. <laughs> Paul and this other guy see this, uh, picture of, uh, you know, rich woman and man being all attractive and, you know. Not in a war. Right. And so they get to, uh, gazing at it and thinking about things and whatnot. This is another interesting frame where there's a mirror next to the poster, and so we see them and their reflection the whole time yeah. in this scene. Was- yeah, and you know, I liked it the first time when we saw it. Now that I'm thinking about it, that was a really effective scene. Mm-hmm. It was really good. And again, yeah. it's a weird situation. Yeah. They're personifying this 2D drawing. It's not even a photograph of a woman. Right, right. And, you know, they're they're obs- you know, they're talking about they'd have to get deloused and what they'd have to do if they wanted to take her out. Yeah. And then they're like, "Oh, well, she's with this man. Like we don't stand a chance." So then Paul just rips the man out of the picture. <laughs> yeah. And then this other guy comes up behind them and is like, "I like him bigger around." And they're like, "Hey, man, this was like a nice thing we were doing. Don't come in here and ruin it." Yeah, it just—it was so good. It really was. And then the upshot is they decide they're going to go take a bath anyway because you never know. Yeah. Well, and by golly, so they go uh, go take off their clothes and jump in the river, and then three French 
you know, mademoiselles happen to wander by all singing together. Well, they live direct. I mean, they, their house is right there. Right, right. Um, and then the good actor and then a third guy, <laughs> they like have crashed the party. Yeah. And then they're, they're all like, what are you going to take a bath for? And they were like, we just shut up. <laughs> Don't explain myself to you. Yeah. Uh, so they all lose their shit mm-hmm. at the sight of women. As, they're you know. pretty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're not bad at all. Yeah, they're they're pretty. I think women in the 30s, in my personal heteroflexible opinion, <laughs> I think women in the 30s were the most beautiful women I've ever been. Fair enough. Uh, you know, we didn't have body dysmorphia yet. Uh, we didn't have, you know, magazines with the airbrushing. Yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, they just, they, they are very healthy looking. Mm-hmm. And they just, I don't know, they had vivacity. Yeah. I just, I really am a huge fan of women in the 1930s. Well, good. Great. Well, then this scene's for you. It really is. <laughs> yeah, so they basically are all like, you know, talking in different languages from these women and gesticulating and whatnot. Uh, they speak French. At one point, I believe I heard the phrase, beaucoup de derriere. Well, we do. We saw a butt. There was definitely a butt. Tina yes. Belcher rejoiced. We saw a butt. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, I thought that was really odd Yeah, that we saw a butt. Yeah. And I should have looked up what the Hayes Code rating or whatever was sure, sure. at the time. But yeah, uh, yeah but it was, a, it was a human butt. Yeah. Uh, but a so, real ass butt. <laughs> it was. So the women are walking along. And they're like, oh, you silly boys, blah, blah, blah. But then one guy's like, hey, I got vodka and uh, bread as well. Which, this is, okay, here's right. what we really didn't understand. So yes. they appeared to have vodka and bread in like sausages. Yeah. And I'm like, where did you get those? Well, because before you were all just taking a bath. Yeah. And now you've got bread in the water? Like Yeah, the bread definitely seemed to be in the water. Yeah. Which seemed like it would damage it. Yeah, like even if it was super hard bread. Right. Like we've all been around wet bread. <laughs> it's a bad scene. At one time or another. Yeah, yeah no, we've yeah. all made a stuffing or fed the ducks. You know what's going on. That's right. Uh, but whatever, it's got the ladies' attention. Oh, yeah. Um, they're all ready to head over right then, but some MP sees them and is like, hey, you know you're not allowed to cross the river? Bah, 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 bah. Uh, but they nonetheless arrange that they will meet with the women that night. They do so, I assume, again, in full view and uh, earshot of the MP. Right. No, I think the MP was like, ah, oh, my work here is done. I'm sure that's exactly what he said. <laughs> Your mastery of the German language, Tom, is really, it's, it's a marvel. Yeah, we're both very good at it. <laughs> so they show up there at night, uh, naked, and the women look out the door and see them and just laugh at how naked they are. They're pretty naked. Yeah, they're all the way naked. So they toss them out some, like, dresses and sheets and stuff mm-hmm. to, you know, cover their shame. <laughs> uh, and they, the men hand over the food and the women dive on into it. Yeah, they're hungry. There's it's a war. Yeah. And uh, Paul makes his move on the one lady and kisses her hand and stuff. And she's like, I'm so eating this bread right now. Right. I'm eating this river bread. <laughs> yeah. Can you please just... I mean, she seems to be enjoying... Oh, yeah. Like, it's so, not, you know... Yeah. yeah. But... Oh, right. And there was also an issue because, as you may have done the math, there were four guys in the river, but only three ladies. Mm-hmm. So there had been some debate about that. But Paul's like, I've got this under control. So at this point, as Paul's making this move, we cut to the one guy who every, everybody was like, we know he's the odd man out because we don't like him that much. Yeah. 
and he is drinking with Kaczynski, like, and they're hammered drunk. No, and he's like, hey, how come you've been buying me drinks for two hours? <laughs> and Kaczynski's like, oh, the boys told me to keep you amused. <laughs> and it, like, takes... Yeah, he's the first, like, like oh, clicks. they're so nice. Yeah, it takes a couple clicks, and then he's like, I have been betrayed! <laughs> and he, like, tries to, like, go at Kaczynski. But he, yeah, but he misses and falls over onto the table. And then Kaczynski just, like, flips the table, and I'm like, there was perfectly good wine on that table. Don't you know there's a war on... <laughs> But they didn't have TV, so I guess that entertained a bunch of the other men. I, I would imagine it did, yeah. Everybody likes seeing drunks get rolled off of things. So at the chateau, we see a phonograph that has wound, or not wound down, but is, uh, it's, yeah, it's, you, uh... you know that thing that records do when they're done. <laughs> No, actually, I don't. Yes, you do. I mean, I know, but I don't know what it's called. Well, right. Neither do I. Hence our dilemma. (laughs) Uh, Then we get the scene, and I know exactly why they did this, but the scene is just a static shot of the shadow of the bedpost like that's cast out into the hallway, and the bedpost has some article of clothing hung on it. Uh, and that's as explicit as they can get. That is, I mean, we already saw a butt, you know? They're already skating on thin ice. (laughs) It just, it just... You know, it just amused me that it's like, oh, shoot, we forgot to put the actors in the frame. <laughs> Don't Carl? tell Carl. Carl! Okay, he's not here, guys. It's just... Well, it's also like when they came in, in the dresses and stuff, there's this weird moment where, like, nothing happens. Yeah. Like, they come in, and it's just the guys looking at the girls, presumably, and, like, did the, yeah, did the was... girls leave? Yeah, there did was they just... they throw sheets, and they were like, now we're going to hide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very odd. So yeah, Paul and the lady talk in French mainly for a bit, and he says something about, I didn't really follow it, but it's something about how he's doesn't, he hopes he never sees her again, I think, but that like he'll remember her or something yeah, like well, that. Yeah, well he wants to find out her name and it's Suzette, and he tells mm. her his name. She is upset about the war, but then he's like, don't be upset about the war or something. Yeah. I mean, she's speaking French, and actually he's speaking mostly German. Like, they're not... Right, right. There's yeah. a barrier there, so... Yeah, although he does speak some he French. He speaks a little French, but, yeah. not, you know, he definitely speaks more French than she speaks German. Right. Speaks more French than I do. I'll say that. So, yeah. Uh, the men head back, and that's it. So they're marching past a whole load of fresh coffins and making mordant remarks about it. Uh, then there's a bunch of explosions, and Paul gets hit. Mm-hmm. He gets hit in the, the side. So cut to him in the hospital. He's next to a guy named Hamaker, whose head is bandaged. And he says that he got a card that says that Hamaker is not always responsible for his actions. So he's been having a great time. He's hilarious. He is. Like, this guy actually is pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some mother is sitting by some other guy in the room and the nuns tell the mother that she has to leave. Yeah, they're in a Catholic hospital yeah. and they've been told that the food and drink is great right. at a Catholic hospital. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of one of his buddies is also there. Yes. We don't know what his... <laughs> right. Albert. Oh, yeah, that's, hey, that's Albert. his name was Albert. There we go. Great. Yes. Context clues. Sweet. Uh, yeah, then the... Yeah. Albert is such a bad actor, though. He's like, I've got my German accent to keep me warm, mother. <laughs> he, he he is like that. It's he's not great. Uh, but the boy whose mother just left is being moved to another room, and Hamburger's like, up. Oh, they took his clothes. That's it. They're taking him off to the dying room, which is an elegant phrase, right? Uh, that's you know 
it's called that because that's what it's for. It probably for. sounds better in German. <laughs> <laughs> Throw some K's and R's in there. Toten Rumen. <laughs> Rumen, right? I think Did that's you the say word. Toten Rumen? Yeah, well, tot, that's death. Oh, is it? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because the, the SS that's had a... Tot- <laughs> yeah, the SS had a regiment called the Totenkopf, which means death's head. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like they didn't even want people to like them. I know. <laughs> it's like, God, for people with such a strong sense of graphic design, their marketing <laughs> department really fell down on the job. Well, you know, the head of their marketing, oh no, that was the head of the Air Force, was a morbidly obese morphine addict. Anyway. <laughs> I was confusing Gehring and Gables like you do. Goebbels? I think it's Goebbels. Goebbels, Like Goethe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. I I think it's actually Goring. Okay. I mean, I, you know. Cousins, do you know how to pronounce anything (laughs) in German? Anything at all? If so... We're we're scuffling here. Yeah, we're really having a hard time. So if you could help us out, we'd really appreciate it. Preferably by the end of this podcast, Uh, which you is impossible. Danke schön. (laughs) <laughs> will common that's all i got <laughs> uh uh yeah we're we've exhausted our german Edelweiss? Oh, Eins, wein, zwei. Yeah. right bobsled <laughs> yeah yeah bobsled <laughs> oh man feel uns rhythm <laughs> Right. Uh, then I've got a note that says something weird happens because something weird happened uh, involving Hammaker, I think. Then at- okay. No, here's what happened. Okay. And this is why it was weird. And now I understand because like okay. now I get what happened. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm clarifying something again. This is fantastic. Yeah. So Albert like randomly stands up and walks across the room to like the window right. and then just like collapses on this dude who's like in a cocoon. Yeah. And the cocoon dude is like, sister... And so the nun comes in and it like pans back to this empty bed, which looked like it was, uh, Hamlocker Al- Schlemmer's. <laughs> yeah. Um, it looked like, I thought like, and it was just very unclear to me. I was like, okay, clearly Albert's getting taken somewhere, but then like, right. where's that guy? Yeah. But I don't think that was the point. I think yeah. it was just an awkward, uh, camera angle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That night, Paul, uh, he, you know, feels, wet in those wound area believes he's hemorrhaging and uh is you know called repeatedly and it takes him a while to get there and is like oh is it bad and the nun's like oh no you know you'll be fine uh but then they're picking him up and putting him on a a, a stretcher a stretcher yeah and he's like where are you taking him and she's like oh we're just taking you to the bandaging room and he's like oh shit yeah well and he goes nuts it's like don't take me to the dying room and they're like we don't call it that we yeah. call it the bandaging room <laughs> yeah like that's very gauche yeah sir come on <laughs> this is the hospital yeah but he uh he swears that he will come back and you know hamlocker schlemmer is like no dude <laughs> yeah you're not coming back yeah yeah. I'm going to take your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's a common theme in this war. Like, well, he's... You don't need that anymore. <laughs> uh, Albert comes back. He has lost a leg. And then he sees that Paul's gone. And, like, he's going crazy. And... No, crazy guy says that he's still got 
no he still has his legs no he doesn't have his legs right here's the thing he comes back and he says that his foot hurts and then the guy is like oh no you still got both your legs but then it's like he doesn't right because like there's a mirror and yeah he gives gives him the mirror and to show him how he's looking good right he uses it to look down and he sees that his leg is gone then he flips out then he flips out i I won't be a cripple i'll kill myself first yeah, yeah 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 Losing his mind over that. And then I think they bring Paul back. Right. Whilst, whilst he's in the middle of this <laughs> emotional breakdown. Yeah. And Paul's, Paul's like, ha ha! I'm back, bitches! I'm immortal! Take that, Toten Ruman! <laughs> yeah, Paul leaves in uniform and looks back at Albert, who's sitting in a chair being depressed about being a cripple. Yes. So. Which is uh, fair. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. But he's not dead, though. No, he's not. I don't know, because I was, like, watching that, and I, I mean, you know, you don't know how you'd react in this situation. No, obviously. And I also feel like, you know... Well, and I just think it was a wholly different, like, social environment. That's also very That's, true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it like, was... Like, there was yeah. no Americans with Disabilities Act no, in 19-teens Germany. with Disabilities <laughs> Right. There was a special, not a Germans <laughs> with Disabilities Act. No, so, I mean, yeah, but it's just like, wow. Yeah. But, I mean, it is, you know, and depending on what his sort of trade was, like... Yeah. It could have just, you know, fucked him up completely. Yeah. Yeah. So we see uh, Paul's home village. Uh, we see, you know, a one-legged veteran walking around. We see a woman in a doorway who's, you know, homeless perhaps or just, you know, whatever. Well, she's and it's sitting just with like, a little boy who's, yeah. like, decked out in, like, a helmet with, like, a full bayonet. And I'm yeah. like, the army needs that kid. Yeah. The baby brigade. <laughs> Didn't we already talk about I that? I think we did. We did. I don't we remember the context, but yeah. Baby. I think it's a title of one of our podcasts. I think you're right. Uh, and it's completely silent here in this village. Paul arrives home and embraces his sister. But she kisses him like maybe she's not his sister. Right. And listen, sister. This is going to... I get it. He's very creamy. <laughs> okay? I definitely would have kissed him on the lips, except he's, I'm sure, a moldering corpse at this point. Well, sure. But uh, it's she's very handsy. Yeah. For, she's for a sister, she's extremely handsy. Very much so. And I mean, I guess it's just they have different views about this sort of thing, but it was off-putting. Like, we were, un- like, we kiss each other a lot. Yeah. Uh, we're fine with that. Right. But this was just... Ick. Well, we're not related, Kelly. That was the key oh, to this yeah, whole. We're not. Yeah, that's that's what the problem was. Yeah. You know, if those two actors out of character were behaving that way, you know, fine. Yeah. Have fun, you young lovebirds. <laughs> Lovin' burden. <laughs> Lieben burden. <laughs> Love is a burden, <laughs> as we're about to see. <laughs> Kelly's cover album of 70s songwriters. <laughs> Love is a burden. <laughs> Love is a burden feel. <laughs> that was an 80s song. Anyway. I know. So he goes up and greets his mother in bed. There's a weird moment where her voice is just like off screen and he's like, what's going on? I'm like... He's like, it's just like when I had sex with that lady. <laughs> I'm like, did your sister kill your mother and now voices her skeleton a la Norman Bates like what's going on 30 years ahead of schedule (laughs) but no she's just you know sickly and in bed Uh, you know it happened no no I know I just 
his mom this is Beryl everybody oh, yeah. this is Beryl this is Beryl and I am not sure she's not actually a man in drag it's look like the jury is still out on that and one and I have no problem with men being in drag I'm yeah. just like what what led you to make these choices about your personal appearance Beryl well she is playing an elderly German frau uh, you know in a time of tri- uh, of tribulation and she's so. ill and she's, she's ill she's very sick yeah with some unspecified illness. Yeah. German measles. <laughs> Measlebrotten? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it's taken us this long on this podcast <laughs> to just make up German <laughs> all the time. No, I know. It's what we were born to do. Basically. Anyway, yeah. And he brought a bunch of food, which is nice of him. Because they're all starving on the home front. Uh, yeah, they yeah. sure are. His sister is brushing his coat. And uh, it's weird because we just... a lot. Another thing they like in this movie is shadows. Yes. You know, and this shadow makes Possibly no sense. to communicate the moral ambiguity. Right. But it looks like it looks like she's punching a, <laughs> a you know, a, a boxing dummy. Like, it's weird. She's an amateur pugilist. <laughs> She's had to learn to look out for herself while her weird kissing brother <laughs> is off at the front. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she's like, hey, look at this old butterfly collection. And he's like, yep, there it is. And they're like, great. We've established this for later. <laughs> <laughs> Carl? <laughs> Car- okay. All right. We're good, guys. Scrap the butterfly thing. <laughs> I like how in this podcast, Carl's like Godot, because I don't think we've ever like said anything that Carl has said. Right. It's all just just people. He's just like looming presence. He can hear us. (laughs) Carl's everywhere. (laughs) So a bunch of Paul's dad's friends are all gathered at the local uh, Rathskeller. That's (laughs) it. That's a Is real it? German word. Yeah, that's like uh, a beer cellar. I thought Rathskeller was the name of somebody who donated a lot of money to colleges <laughs> so that students would have a place to drink. <laughs> I literally thought that. Wow. Also, have you noticed that since I've been watching American Horror Story Freak Show, I keep slipping into Kathy Bates's weird Baltimore <laughs> accent? I was like, I was like donated, (laughs) like, and that wasn't even on purpose. No, I know. Well, it's so much fun to make fun of. I know, but I think it's kind of like Jeff Goldblum in The Fly, (laughs) where it's like I keep exposing myself to it, and it's just gonna get worse and worse. Like years later, there's this interview with Kathy Bates. I was just doing it for the role, but (laughs) I could never stop. It destroyed my career. (laughs) I'm homeless now. Evan Peters won't even return my calls. <laughs> uh, ma'am, Evan Peters died. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I killed him because he wouldn't return my calls. Ah, <laughs> uh, poor Kathy Bates. <laughs> Let's do a Kickstarter for her preemptively. <laughs> As we all know, Kathy Bates' career is on the rails. We assume she's not going to be able to stop doing this accent. <laughs> All right. All right, let's talk about this movie. Butterflies. Yeah. Come, my lady. Come, come, my lady. <laughs> yeah, the Rathskeller. Right. Yeah. The Rathskeller, which is not a place named for a person, but right. rather a German word. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. I, if listen. I'm wrong, I'll, uh, I'll be embarrassed. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> 
so yeah, all these old men are talking to Paul about the war, and they're like, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. and here's what you need to do, and then we'll, you know, break through the front here, and then push on to Paris, and, and all Paul's this like, stuff. Like, Paul's eyes have rolled 360 degrees around in his head. Yeah. And this was such an awkward scene. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me so much of when people like try to talk to me about doing stand up and they're like <laughs> they're like, "Oh, I bet you get a lot of material around this place." And I'm yeah. like, "No, you're all quite boring." <laughs> right. Uh or like, "Oh, you know, here's a here's a skit for you." Yeah. Which is just like, "Listen, everyone everywhere, unless you also do the job of the person that you're talking to, never tell anyone how to do their fucking job." Yeah. Also, do these rathskellians think that Paul's a fucking general? Right. Because he is not a general. He's not at all. Like, if we've learned nothing from Parade's End, yeah. it's that the generals are in charge and they are shit at their jobs. <laughs> yeah. So this, you know, it's an effective scene because Paul's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, you know, clearly you're totally on his side. Yeah. Then he decides to wander on by the old classroom where the professor Yeah, where the professor is still like pitching the whole same thing to the new baby brigade. Yeah, who, who are, are young as fuck. Yeah, they're little boys. They're like 13. Yeah. And uh so he's like, "Oh, Paul, perfect. This is just the right time. Come and, and speak to these kids." This is why the military doesn't let recruiters go out unauthorized. Right. Like Yeah. I'm pretty sure this guy is getting a strongly worded letter from somebody because you know these kids went straight home and told their parents and they were yeah. like well that's not right yeah yeah because we sent you to that school to get indoctrinated <laughs> not to have a bunch of crazy ideas not to teach you to think damn it <laughs> uh but yeah so he gets pushed into saying something and and what he ends up saying is uh he says we fight we try not to be killed sometimes we are that's all yeah and that was you know and the teacher's like, uh, hello. Well, and the students are like calling him a coward. Yeah. And he's like... Which, what is great about that is they call him a coward, and his response is like, listen, I can't wait to get out of here right. and get back to the front, you little shitheads. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And he, uh... He's got four days left on his leave, and he's like, I can't be around these people anymore. Possibly because yeah. his sister is sexually assaulting him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he says he shouldn't have come. He's going to go back the next day. Uh, so his mother is, you know, saying goodnight and more or less goodbye to him. And, and she says that she has something to tell him. It's not that she's a man. It's uh, that <laughs> he should be very careful. He says he will. She says you should try and get a safe job. Get a safe job. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll get a job at the cookhouse. I can get that easy. And she's like, okay, great. And I packed you two extra pairs of underwear. I wanted to cry so many times in this movie, but the acting is so bad. Yeah. Like, I could feel... I could feel the beginnings of emotions that would lead to tears, mm-hmm. and then just I couldn't commit. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's it's a fe- like you know it's affecting, yeah, it's but not, it's just not. It can't. Yeah, you can't quite get there. Yeah, you know, you know. I mean, this. Yeah, there is a real impact. It's kind of but like it's, when the battery on your vibrator is running too low, <laughs> and you just can't make it happen. Fair enough. Uh, also, it's like the Germans have a word for everything, and they don't have a word for PTSD. <laughs> they might now. They, well, I would imagine yeah. they do. Yeah. That's too long for me to make up a German word for it. <laughs> Post and stressen dasen. <laughs> You're just not even trying anymore, are you? Unter glieben glauben globen.
back at the front, he finds the second company, and it's just like 20 or so kids. Yeah. Nobody that he recognizes. And two horses. Yeah. Horses, 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 horses. <laughs> when he asks the kid out front, he's like, is this everybody? He's like, well, there was a lot more of us yesterday, but now this is it. Yeah. Like, Don't worry. They're going to send us a bunch more. We'll get up to 150 again. Yeah. And you're like, ah, why do we keep having wars? Yeah. Is it so men can finally appreciate butterflies? Because <laughs> there's a different way to make that happen. Yeah. It's called the Natural History Museum. Yeah. Or possibly Crone Conservatory. In Cincinnati. I assume there's other conservatories. <laughs> nope, that's the only one. <laughs> With lone fact. <laughs> uh, there is still that one guy that Kaczynski got drunk. He's still there. Uh, he comes in uh, and he tells him that, uh, oh, he says that, oh, Paul, you're back. It's a, be a real war now. Yeah. And... You know, he says these kids are worthless. He says all they knew, how, all they know how to do is die. Uh, it's also very similar to stand up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, not to diminish the uh, impact right. here. No, but they're out of food. Yeah. They have to eat sawdust, and that apparently isn't good for you. Yeah. He asked what happened to one guy, and he deserted. He went to go back home to his cherry farm. He said he was, you know, and the guy says, hey, he's just homesick, I guess, but I figured they didn't see it that way. Uh-huh. And they, you know, caught him. Yeah. And he hasn't seen him since. Like uh, Mrs. Patmore's nephew, Archie. Indeed, exactly. Uh, but Kaczynski, he's still alive. The guy's like, oh, they killed him. The war would be over, yeah. you know, and he says he's out getting food. So Paul goes to go find him. Uh, he finds him, a bomb goes off, but it's like, oh, hey, you know, and they're, they're real happy to see each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sit down on a, a tree trunk. Paul talks about his time on leave and how they're all like, you know, on to Paris and this sort of thing. And Kaczynski laughs and he's like, yeah, you know, you see what they eat over there? They got white bread. They got more planes. They got, you know, tanks that can go anywhere. You know, we got nothing. But they say on to Paris. Ah, oh, whatever, you know. Uh, so they start heading back. And a bomb comes down. They both dive, and Kaczynski catches a piece of shrapnel in his leg, in his shin. And Paul's like, "Ah, oh, well, all right, that's not so bad. You, you, you know, you'll get away with this one." And so he picks him up and starts carrying him back. And he's chatting to him. Uh, but another bomb goes off nearby, and that one, a fragment, uh, slices Kaczynski's neck open, and he's dead. And Paul does not realize this. He's talking to him the whole way back to the medic. And the medic tells him that he's dead. And Paul's like, no, no, he just passed out. He was just hitting the shin. Medic's like, oh, he's dead, dude. You want his pay, pay book? Yeah. And Paul's like, okay. And he just kind of, you know, wanders out of the, of the uh, medical tent there. So it cuts to the trenches. And it is, in fact, quite quiet. They're all hanging out there. Some of them are shoveling water out of the trenches. And Paul sees a butterfly just outside, just past his little gun port. So he gets up to reach over the trench to try and, you know, get the butterfly or whatever. And a sniper sees him and shoots him. And all we see is is his hand dying. Yeah. Which is shockingly effective. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is the one point I did actually manage to like yeah. get some tears going. Yeah. 
but it's just it's so bleak yeah and I mean, they just fade to black for like a full 30 45 seconds before they put up the end right title card yeah and they have the one last thing where it's uh a superimposition yeah of the soldiers marching and then just and uh, all of them looking back and you see all their faces right and they're all dead like every single one of them is dead yeah and it's all superimposed over a, a graveyard and all mm-hmm. the crosses yeah and it's and it's really impressive too because that was to me that's one of the challenges because the ending of the book is so famous and so not filmable because it doesn't describe his death at all all it does is just cut to saying the day he died mm-hmm. it was so quiet that the official report just said all quiet on yeah. the western front you know and so how do you when you're adapting See, that that's for the written screen, so well that i'm really upset yeah <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's a great iconic ending that doesn't work on film. So what did they, you know? And they found a really a no, solid way. No, and as much as we didn't like a his sister or right. b the way they kind of yeah shoehorned. But it's just he just fucking couldn't take it anymore, man. Yeah, yeah. Guys, war is so terrible. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you know it really is, and it's just not. It's not a good thing. It's And it's things like this, you know, I think about, you know, like people that get so mad at like Neville Chamberlain, right? And like other people leading up to World War II that were, you know, uh, appeasers, they want to uh-huh. say or whatever. It's like, dude, they didn't want there to be a war. That's the correct position. Yeah. If at all possible, there should not be a war. And it wasn't possible in that circumstance. And it, that wasn't Neville Chamberlain's fault. But... You know, this, 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 you know, World War One. it happened. It destroyed, you know, the continent. Like, it was awful. No, and it's like, you know, what was great about World War Two? you know, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was the last morally unambiguous war, because I'm sure we've got another one in us somewhere. Well. Uh, I, you know, war now is so motivated by money. And who owns... I mean, it's always right. been that way, but it's well, just like there's not even... People don't even make a pretense of jingoism anymore. Yeah. And, and I it's mean, like I guess, somehow that makes it better to me, but it's just like... Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think World War II had the benefit uh, of being unambiguous who started it. Yeah. There's no doubt that Germany and Japan both went out and sought war. Yeah. Um, so... You know, that is comforting, at least. I mean, you know, because if you're going to send people out to die, the only reason to do it is that, you know, to save the lives of their fellow citizens. And there's a legitimate case to be made that they were doing that in that circumstance. So, you know, that's nice as far as it goes. But it also led to this whole, you know, Saving Private Ryan and everything else, this whole glorification of war in America in particular that we did not have. Like, it was really hard. Like, America really did not want to get into that war yeah. or any war at all. They're like, they, even just the little bit of World War One that we experienced, mm-hmm. we were like, you know, fuck Europe. We're not going to send our people to die because they're fighting amongst themselves yeah. again, all this sort of thing. Anyway, look, what, you know, this is all, I mean, I guess, you know, cause you brought up veterans day. Like I went to high school with a lot of people who are veterans or who are on active duty right now. Right. And like, it just, you know, it makes me really sad. Yeah. Like, and I think, you know, some of them are really happy. They really like being in the military and that's cool. 
you know, I but, also have classmates in the mm-hmm. same situation. No, and I just, I guess what I hate about it is that for a lot of the people that I knew and the, you know, the people that you knew, I mean, it's a financial decision Yeah, and they've got you over a fucking barrel. It's like, okay, we'll give you some stuff, mm-hmm. but you have to go and, you know, possibly die mm-hmm. over a goddamn oil well. Yeah. And I just, I just think it's sad. Yeah. So I hope, I hope the human race just gets it together someday. Yeah. I mean, I guess, look, sending the people to kill other people is morally reprehensible. Yeah. It just is. And don't support it. Don't, it's, it's, that's just it. Don't, we're a democracy. If we don't want our soldiers to go off and get killed for no reason, we yeah. can, you know, eventually make that happen. Just, that's, that's it. I don't know, man. Well, and this got really No, it really depressing. did. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, and it was a really upsetting movie. It was a really upsetting movie. And it's a good, Despite you know. Despite the inability to engage emotionally. Right. Um, you know, again, certainly it's from 1930 and that shows, but it's, you know, we can it's see. It's also, it's worth watching, I think. Yeah. Yeah. As a piece of cinematic history. Yeah. I think that superimposition over the field of the White Crosses, I think actually Ken O. Russell lifted directly for Tommy. Mm. So like, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in there that seemed mm-hmm. new at well, the yeah, time. And you just, know what I mean? And the way the battle scenes are filmed, like, absolutely holds up. Yeah. Like, really, yeah. I mean, it's, it's long. It's like 133 minutes long. So yes. it's definitely going to take a chunk of your day. Right. But uh yeah, definitely if you're interested it's worth checking out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, hopefully we'll have something more uplifting for you next time. <laughs> We're not going to look and check though. No. <laughs> uh, so until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out.